Welcome to The Five, a podcast built to inform nonprofits about critical functions that will improve their organization. I'm your host, Eric Morcheski, CEO and co-founder of Nimble Strategies. We are bringing The Five to you as a part of our company's five-year anniversary celebration with thought leaders from across the country. Welcome to The Five. We're here with Muriel Smith, the Executive Director of the St. Louis Area Diaper Bank. Muriel, can you tell us a little bit about your background with the Diaper Bank and even before that? Yeah, so um, I've been here with the Diaper Bank since October of 2020, so right in the midst of the pandemic, so about three years as the executive director here. Before I was at the Diaper Bank, I was an executive director at a uh, another organization that was an educational support organization for a charter school. And that was my first time being an executive director for that organization. My background in general is working for nonprofit organizations throughout St. Louis, mainly doing fundraising and communications until I worked at uh, the organization I was before I was at the Diaper Bank, uh, which was my first sort of executive position overseeing and organization myself, but I've done a lot of different positions. A lot of them really were around fundraising and development, but when you work for smaller nonprofits, usually it's mixed in with other things like community engagement, volunteer management, public relations, um, you know, grant writing, all kinds of things. The uh, wearing many hats in a small organization holds true in both for-profit and nonprofit, and especially <laughs> the nonprofit world. And so I, I have no doubt in my mind that having that fundraising background, though, is a, is a very translatable skill, no matter which organization you're with, because there isn't an organization out there that uh, doesn't need need more funding when it comes to the nonprofit sector, uh, or at least there are very few. So tell us a little bit about the St. Louis Area Diaper Bank. Well, you know what what does it do? You know what are kind of some of its biggest needs and attributes of the organization? Um, so the St. Louis Area Diaper Bank provides diapers and period supplies to families and individuals in need throughout the St. Louis region. So we cover St. Louis City County, Jefferson County, St. Charles County, Lincoln, Warren, Montgomery counties on the Missouri side. And then in Illinois, we cover Madison and St. Clair counties. So we partner with other community organizations and we provide the diapers and period supplies to them. They provide them to their clients and to the general public. So we have the library program that we do with both St. Louis Public Library and St. Louis City or St. Louis County Library, where anybody can go to any of the branches that participate and they can get diapers or period supplies and they can go back every month if they need to. And we're working, you know, our the organizations that we work with uh, are really supporting those families that are 185 to 200% below the federal poverty line. So we're talking about families that are really struggling to afford, afford basic need items like diapers and period supplies, but also food, rent, paying for utilities and other things. So just by providing these, what we call sort of a gateway resource, because our the organizations we work with or 
providing them with other additional services. So they're getting diapers and period supplies, but they may also be getting counseling, utility help, housing, food. So they're getting other resources in addition to what we're providing uh, for, for the community organizations that we work with. It's uh, such an impact you're making on St. Louis and a great set up an organization you guys have coming over and seeing it myself, although it's been a little bit of time now. I know you guys are are doing some great work. I also know there's a lot of people throughout the community that enjoy volunteering with your organization. So I think that gives a good segue into uh, your leadership style and, and maybe uh, really what being an authentic leader, you know, what, what that means to you, because I think that that can mean something slightly different to every individual or every organization. But what what does being your authentic self as a leader mean to you? Yeah, to me, it means you're bringing your whole self to <laughs> your leadership style. So you're not leaving anything out or or putting on what I describe it as, which is what I was doing before I kind of decided I needed to just be myself and lead as myself was, you know, you're putting on a mask or you're putting on a, a suit or, you know, costume and what, of what you think a leader should look like or should, should act like or talk like. And it was very uncomfortable for me to do that because I, you know, I, I'm not authoritarian. I'm not, you know, all these different types of leadership styles. And so I just had to take a moment and just decide, like, I just have to be Muriel <laughs> as a leader and, you know, decide what that means as far as what I would bring of myself into my leadership style. So for me, it was just bringing who I am into being a leader and not trying to be what I thought a leader should be like, or trying to emulate other leaders that I had seen. And can you maybe talk about why that's important before we get into your five kind of keys to being that authentic self? But obviously, I think we all look at this in a unique aspect of the importance of how we perform as a leader. Why is being an authentic leader an important piece of that? Well, I think being your authentic self really helps to build relationships with other people because they can trust you because they know who you are, <laughs> they kind of know what to expect. Um, and it really helps solidify those things with like in my case with my staff, with board members, with donors. So it it really helps them see who you are and be more comfortable with you and, you know, be able to build a relationship with you and be that way there, you know, staff is interested in working with you and likes coming to work every day. Donors, you know, are willing to donate to your organization because, and they're donating for the mission, but also because of who's at that organization and how it's being run. And, you know, of course, board members like to, uh, you know, you have to work with your board members on a variety of things. And it's just easier when 
they feel like they know you a little bit. I mean, we're not, you know, it's not like your best friends or anything, but they, they know your personality. They kind of get to know your quirks, those kinds of things. And, and so there's no guesswork in who you are, what answers will be to questions or how you will act about something, a specific thing. They kind of are comfortable with you. And that really helps to, you know, solidify all of those, those types of relationships. Very much so. I think the more we feel comfortable with the person and that they're being transparent in who they are, I think it makes it a lot easier to have a conversation with anyone. So I completely agree with everything you just said. So let's talk about your five, those five key things that help in being an authentic self as a leader. You want to take us through kind of some of those key factors and key points? Yeah. Um, So the first thing I think you have to do is decide that you will bring your whole self to your leadership style, um, good or bad, you know, and, and be real with yourself and who you are and, and know that, you know, if, if you don't like doing certain things or certain things are really not, you know, your, your, uh, cup of tea, that that's okay. And that you can express that to people and staff are there to help (laughs) board members are there to help. So it's, it's easier when you feel like I have things that I'm not comfortable doing, or I don't know how to do. And it's okay to say that. So I think you just have to decide that you're, you're going to bring your whole self to your leadership, which may also be any flaws or shortcomings that you have (laughs) and be okay with voicing those and what they are. And then, you know, obviously asking for help on, on the things that you feel like you kind of aren't, you don't have a knowledge base for, you don't know how to do. Yeah. I think deciding to be it is a great point to kick off with anything because it does have to be a conscious decision, right? It doesn't just happen organically, or at least not to most of us. Maybe there are some people out there that it happens very organically, but I think there's a protective nature in ourselves that prevents us from jumping into any role completely 100% authentic. Right. Yeah. It's hard because you, you know, you have to be vulnerable. (laughs) Yes. So it's hard for people to, you know, for that vulnerability to come through, but I guess I should I should talk about Brene Brown, who probably lots of people know of have read her books. But one of the things about, you know, leadership and what she talks about is, you know, the ability to be vulnerable. And I think a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. But if you want to be yourself in your leadership role and, and bring who you are, that's you have to expose yourself a little bit. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, again, I go back to it's just not a, a natural thing. Even in uh, even in dating, you don't ever completely be vulnerable right away with people. I think that takes something that you've got to learn how to yeah. how to feel comfortable with. And let alone in your job where you're dependent upon it for the future of your life livelihood, it yeah. can be even harder to to just be completely vulnerable and, and to be open. But I'm sure you see a reaction and a response from your, your team that you work with out of that? Do you, have you seen changes in your relationships at work out of it? Yeah, I think definitely it gives, 
I think me showing my vulnerability gives people openness to show their vulnerability and not be so guarded when, you know, ask for help when you need help. If you don't know how to do something, that's, you know, that's fine. You can say, I don't know how to do it, or, you know, you'll figure out how to do it or whatever. But I think it helps people, you know, my staff have noticed it helps them be able to be themselves and not have to feel like, oh, I'm have to be guarded or I have to be on top of everything all the time. And it just makes for a more comfortable and relaxed (laughs) place to work um, when people aren't sort of putting on airs um, when they're here. Yeah. You just spend a lot of time at work. I mean, you spend a lot of time here, so it's hard to try to be somebody else for eight or 10 hours a day. Yeah, I think um, trying to be someone else can be exhausting. <laughs> so you're you're right there. I, I think if people fail to realize sometimes you probably spend more time with your work family than your than your actual family <laughs> in many right, cases. Yeah. So, I mean, just listening to you, I've kind of pulled out a few things in here, you know, deciding to be to be your authentic self, to be vulnerable, to develop those relationships through that vulnerability. What are kind of some of those other things that if someone's trying to learn to be a better, more authentic self in their leadership, what are some of those other key characteristics and traits that that you think will really help them along the way? I think. Along with that is to use your personality to your advantage. I I have a very quirky sense of humor. I quote movies a lot and TV shows. <laughs> so when I'm trying to make a point about something or, you know, talking about things, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's like in that movie when this happened. Or remember when on this show when this situation occurred. So my staff knows that about me and they're like, oh, we can't wait to hear, you know what? Muriel always has something to say about a movie that she's seen or TV show, or she's quoting, you know, from different things. So, so I think, and I know that about some of my staff too. Like I know sort of their, their personality quirks. And it just makes it a much more inviting place to work because you're like, oh, you know, you know that, you know, that sort of inside thing about somebody. And then you feel like you're all in the, you know, it makes for a better team environment and people, you know, are able to work better at at being a team when they kind of know the personality or the, the quirks of people and can use that. And I use it to my advantage because I'm out, you know, I I am good at making my points on things when I'm using these analogies from movies or TV shows. So that works for me. But I think that that's just one of the things you just have to, if there's, you know, maybe that's not your personality quirk or part of your personality, but certainly use, you know, what you have to your advantage to be able to get people to be comfortable with you as a leader and feel like they know you as a as a person (laughs) my head went right to suits where they're always quoting movies between each other in this show so uh, (laughs) when you said that so uh, clearly (laughs) I have a little bit of that in me uh to follow that (laughs) quoting movies in different tv shows and it took me right to a a show (laughs) yeah so 
you know, how do you see being your authentic self changing an organization for for someone who's maybe a new leader even? Because I think that's probably when you're at your most intimidated is that first time leading or early in, in leading organizations in your career, being your authentic self can probably be the scariest, right? Yeah, I think it really does build trust with people because they, you don't have, like I, you don't have to know everything about me as a leader outside of, you know, this organization, but it is helpful, I think, for people to know some parts of you because that helps with relationship building. It helps with them being able to trust you as a person, but it also helps with, you know, them being able to trust you as a leader of the organization. Um, And it really gives people a sense of, well, not to use the word to describe the word, but authenticity, you know, that, you know, you're being really authentic and, why you work here, why you care about the organization and the mission, and that you really, you know, do care about the organization and the people in it and the people that you're helping. Because it's really hard if people can't, if you have a wall up all all of the time and people can't get through that wall or can't, like I always, I sometimes have trouble reading people because I don't know if they're showing me who they are or if they're showing me who they think I want them to be or what I want to see. And so I think, you know, and if you're working as a leader, that sort of brings up a lot of uncertainty for people, I think, because you don't, you don't know how they're going to react to things or say, because they, they don't really, they don't know enough about you to know anything about you. (laughs) And so I think, you know, that kind of, it has people worried that maybe anything could happen with this person because they really don't understand them. They can't really get a read on them. And so that's very concerning. I know that was concerning for me, like when I wasn't a leader, when I was just, you know, a manager or whatever, um, director that I just wanted to be able to connect with the leader of my organization so that I could feel like I knew them a little bit. And that really, you know, helped me. A good point, because I think we all, it's not that they have to be your best friend, but you do have to feel a relationship to those people, especially when you're spending so much time together. So I think it's a a good thing to think through is just how that that relationship felt on the other side of it, because nobody starts as a leader. They have to they have to work their way into that role. So uh, reversing it just a little bit, when you can sense that someone's not being their authentic self, are there ways that you found that can help kind of bring out their authentic self? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for me, like I, I like to still put it back on me. So I will share something that I think would open up the other person to share back with me. So I, I do have, or have worked with um, staff members that are very guarded. And so I find that if, if there's something like 
we're both moms or we're, you know, we both have sons or, you know, we live kind of in that same neighborhood or shop in the same, you know, we both go to Trader Joe's or whatever. That's all right. That's like an opening to be able to, to break down sort of that wall that people have up sometimes um, and open themselves up a little bit more. I mean, it, again, it can be just a little thing, some little thing that you can be able to connect with the other person to then allow them to sort of open up to you and break down that wall and show some more of themselves. It's a, it's sometimes difficult to take the first step there, but I do think it does go a long way with most people. Out of curiosity, then, are there organizations or groups, or you mentioned uh, an author earlier, that help you kind of with being your more authentic self or being just a nonprofit leader in general? Yeah, so I am part of a couple of different um, groups, uh, nonprofit executive groups, so where it, it's good because you're all leaders, you're all leading your organization, you all have, you know, bring different things, you have different personalities. But I think being in that those groups um, kind of allow allows me to be even more of my <laughs> self, because you see struggles or successes that other, you know, issues or things that other people have at their organizations. And it's, similar, if not the same thing that you are experiencing. So then I think that's, you know, that's good because then you have kind of like a group of peers that you can be able to talk to about those things that you can't, it's lonely at the top. They always say for executive directors, because you don't really have someone else, you know, at your organization that you can kind of talk to about different things that are going on inside the organization. So to be able to have these peer groups that share in some of the triumphs and tragedies that you go through at your organization and to help you work through those things has been helpful for me Um, and validating because then you also see that you're not alone and there are other people that are experiencing the same thing that you're experiencing. And uh, again, in those, in those situations, we're all kind of being vulnerable to one another. (laughs) So that's a really good, you know, open space to be able to kind of let it all hang out. This has been great. I don't know if you have anything else you want to share, uh, but Hopefully this was rather painless. Um, um, <laughs> I've enjoyed it. I I have taken a lot of notes here, so that's usually a good sign. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would, the last thing I would say is to, um, and I spoke to this a little bit earlier, is just to also know your limitations. You know, a, a lot of us as leaders of our organization feel like we have to have all of the answers, we have to have all of the information and the knowledge and the skill and all of that to be able to run the organization and that that's what people are looking for us to to give in that space. But um, it's okay if you know that you can't, like I uh, am not an accountant, I am not super great with 
that type of thing. So I have an operations manager who is good at that. Um, and while I can, you know, read the financials and and understand them, like that, it's okay that I don't don't know all of the things that have to go with that or HR or programs and that type of thing. So I think it's okay. That's why you have other people in the organization that you hire <laughs> so that they they can do those jobs and be a complement to your leadership and to the organization. And so I would just say know your limitations and be okay with them and hire to help with those or ask board members. So ask for help as well. Great advice. I am well aware that I am not a strong writer. And so <laughs> whenever we're writing something, as long as there's enough time, I usually have someone rewrite it after I've written it. So I think you're you're right on track with knowing your limitations. I think it's it's a good thing to, <laughs> to keep in mind. Yeah. So thank you so much, Muriel. It's been great to chat with you and good to see you, even if it's virtually. Right. <laughs> Same, Eric. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Five. Subscribe to our channel and make sure you catch every episode of The Five and reach out to Nimble Strategies today for help with your nonprofit.